Welcome to The Storytellers, the radio show and podcast that features those who choose to leave their mark on the world through the art of story. I'm your host, Grace Salmon. I look forward to our time together today. Now, let's meet our storyteller. Sarah Lynn Brooke is an author of contemporary book club fiction with three award-winning books. And she is a writer. She is an author. She's a podcaster. She's a professor. She's a runner. We have so many things to talk about. Sarah Lynn, welcome to the Storyteller's Microphone. Thanks, Grace. I'm really happy to be here. Well, you do so much in the entire world of writers and books. It's really a pleasure to get a chance to talk about both your writing and some of the behind-the-scenes things that you do as well. What I'd, like, what I'd like to do is start out with genre. Most people, do they think of book club fiction as a genre now? Let's talk about it. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, it's one way to talk about it. I mean, books fall into um, often multiple genres. You know, you can write women's fiction or rom-coms and book club fiction. And sometimes that doesn't really give, at least in my opinion, enough information for readers to really understand what it is that you write. So when people ask me kind of what I write, I, I do say book club fiction, but I also tell them specifically I write stories about friendships and family that kind of tug at the heartstrings, you know, it's, and that gives them a little bit more information so that they can kind of center where my books would, might fall. But as far as like genre, it's really, where do we place it on the bookshelf, right? I mean, what do you think of book club fiction? Well, I think for me, and I think it's true of your three books, that it gives us something more to talk about. When mm -hmm. we're reading, it's very much a personal experience, right? Between us yeah. and the author and us and the pages. But when we move it then into a book club experience, it's about sharing that experience with others, getting a nuance. And I think that you write for that much more specifically, right? I would say so. Yeah. I mean, I would definitely say so. I would think you, I think you do too. You know, I mean, I think it's, it's one of those, I mean, books, I think a lot of the, my favorite books really spark conversation, um, especially amongst my friends. And I belong to a book club. And one of the best things about belonging to a book club is that I'm not picking out these books for the most part. You know, maybe when I'm hosting, I'll, I'll bring in some choices, but the rest of the time I don't get a say. And I think that that's actually kind of wonderful. I'll be discovering yes. new books that I ordinarily wouldn't necessarily pick out on my own. And often those become some of my favorites. I agree. And you have a different approach, I think, than some authors. Some authors start with a question to mm -hmm. write. You start with place, correct? Yeah. Often I start with a setting. You know, I'll kind of think of maybe a world that I kind of want to inhabit for a little while. Like, for example, I've told the story before, but when I wrote my second book, Daytime Drama, it's set in uh, Hollywood. It's set in the in, in a soap opera world and um, in Southern California. And I had lived in Southern California for many years and then moved to Philly. And Philly, as you're probably aware, is a lot colder than uh, than Southern California. And um, I was just I was cold. It was like February. 
of 2017, and I just wanted to write about someplace that was warm <laughs> and someplace that was familiar. And um, my husband had also been part of the entertainment industry, and I always found it really fun and engaging. I loved the, you know, as an observer, I loved seeing these really funny, fast um, people who weren't just, you know, actors, but they were editors or they did set design, you know, it was just, or they, they brought in the props, you know, and they were such creative people who had all kind of migrated there. And I just thought that was such an interesting, it was such an interesting world to inhabit. And, um, and really I was feeling a little bit, a little bit homesick. So, so yeah, I started, I start with setting. I mean, my first book is set in the world of like home design, do it yourself, home design. Um, second book is in Hollywood. The, this third book is set in the world of girls and women's soccer. So that was a fun way, a fun way to get into that story. So your books are all very different and different locations. I love that in this upcoming book, Light of the Fire, you get to do uh, the whole female athlete uh, piece. And I want to hear more about uh, the book in just a moment, but you're really quite the athlete. You're one of the few authors I talk to who have runner right in their bio. <laughs> Yeah, I have um, run basically my whole life. I've been running since I was about 11. I ran with my dad. He would, um, he, he trained for races and stuff like that. And he, uh, and I was also a soccer player. So he coached me. Um, and, and really that was something, athletics was something that we shared. And, um, and running has always been very, very important to me. I, I think, um, I lost my dad in, in 2001, so it's another way for me to feel connected to him even to this day. And um, But it's also something that I find really meditative. I don't, I can't, I don't, can't sit still long enough to actually meditate, um, but I do find that when I go out for a run, if I'm stuck on a story problem or something like that, that kind of movement really kind of shakes things up and I get a new perspective on something and it doesn't even have to be writing related. It could be, oh, I'm having trouble with a student and I can't figure out, you know, how to solve that problem. Um, and I find that running and movement really kind of helps me think. I, I agree, you know, change of movement, change of thought, getting out there um, just helps that creative process. Although I have great, I solve things in my dreams often. Oh, really? Oh, it's wonderful. It's just. Oh, that is you, really wonderful. You, Did you, you wake have up. To, like train yourself to do that? I've heard people who do that. No, no. I wish I could or I'd have a whole nother novel uh, <laughs> by now. But let's talk about this novel just coming out, Light mm -hmm. of the Fire. We've talked a little bit about how it's got a soccer theme in it, but it's also a very poignant story about friendship. Tell us more. Yeah, it is. It's really about two estranged friends from high school who made a huge mistake and they're um, 20 years ago and they're sort of forced to um, they're forced to confront that secret um, later in life after circumstances bring them back together in their small town and they have to either you know see what extent they're going to be keeping the secret or if they're going to be facing the consequences um, once and for all. And so it's really a story. It's not actually, you know, soccer is in the background, but it's really a story about friendship and about healing from past mistakes. And keeping secrets. Keeping secrets. Yeah. I mean, 
Yeah. Sometimes you keep secrets. <laughs> are, are secrets in any of your other books? You know what? I like to give my um, characters a secret. Yes. Actually, that's one of my, the ways into the character is give them a secret, whether or not it's something that's um, that becomes important to the plot at all. Um, but yeah, but uh, definitely there are secrets, especially actually in my last novel, there was a secret. So yeah, I like, I like secrets. So for readers of uh, who like things about secrets, um, all three of your books, Designer You, uh, Daytime Drama, and this new one, Light of the Fire, will all be great choices. With three books, mm -hmm. how has your author life changed? You've switched presses, and I'm really interested in that, because I mm -hmm. think that frequently authors think they have to go one direction with their mm -hmm. books, and then they're there. So talk a little bit about the publishing end of it for you. Yeah. Um, in 2017, I submitted my book to uh, Crooked Cat Books, um, and they decided to pick up Designer You. And I had tried to, you know, the agent route, and I was told that it was a kind of a small story. It was, you know, it wasn't about a dystopian future with, you know, children killing each other or something, you know, it was just, it was yeah. a small story about this family, about this mother daughter relationship. And, um, and the small press decided that they would take it on. And I was really, really happy and really grateful. And, and I thought they did a great job. I loved my cover for that book. And, um, they decided, um, we, the book came out and actually I still, you know, it's, still sells, um, which is really nice, but, um, but they decided to switch gears. So they decided to stop, um, publishing book club fiction, the kind of fiction that I write and just stick with like crime and thriller, um, fiction. So they went in a, in a new direction and I think they're doing really, really well. Um, so I had to find a new publisher though, when I wrote my second book and, um, and I did, and this one had, um, it felt like they had maybe more marketing support. Um, and that was nice. And I was really happy with the way the book came out. But once I finished, once, once that book came out, I was writing the third book, which became Light of the Fire. And that one, I decided I really want an agent. I think doing this by myself is not great for me. I, I would really like some support because I, you know, I teach full time. Um, I'm a mom, you know, there's, you know, I've got a lot going on. And if I could just have some help on getting these books out there and uh, submitted to publishers, that would be great. And so sure enough, I, I, this book landed me an agent and she ended up um, getting a, a good deal with, with Lake Union Publishing. And I've been really, really happy with them. Well, Lake Union is such a credible press, you know, they, and they've made such a mark um, relatively quickly, I think, in the entire yeah. book industry. I think it's been just within the last 10 years. Yeah. So how did you get your agent? That's something many listeners will be interested in. Yeah, it's, um, it was, it took a really long time, <laughs> as it often does, um, you know, and sometimes you hear about people who get their agent and, you know, after two weeks of querying or something, that was definitely not me. Um, but I ended up uh, sending this book out. 
Um, I, I did, I did this one, um, relatively differently. I sent out queries and batches so that I could learn from, you know, how the query was doing, um, without having sent out, you know, like 50 at a time or something. So, um, which meant that it took longer, but it also meant that if I was getting a bunch of no's, um, I could go back and revise my, um, my pages or my query letter and until I, I, until I started getting a better success rate. And, um, and I ended up signing with the Purcell agency with Tina Schwartz, who, who heads it up. And I've been really, really, really happy with her and we make a really good team. That's a wonderful other side of the success story, landing an agent, which is really a partnership. And that's what we want. That's certainly what we want. Um, You teach full time. You're a runner. You're writing books. Talk a little bit about your life as a writing and literature professor. I teach at a local community college and I love it. I would not, I do not have dreams of giving up my day job at all. Um, One reason why I love it, other than um, the obvious that I love my students, um, I love helping students. Sorry if you can hear my dog in the background. Your dog (laughs) is welcome. (laughs) Thanks. Um, But but anyway, uh, I, I also think that teaching students how to write really helps me in my own writing. Like it's such, it's not like, you know, like I'm having to go to a day job that's so different from my own writing. You know, I'm, I'm not selling coffee or I'm not, you know, selling insurance or something. I'm, you know, I'm teaching writing and, and I learn so much from my students. I probably learn more from my students than they necessarily learn from me. So, but I, I teach all kinds of writing, um, at community college. I teach, you know, I teach the, the composition courses, I teach technical writing and I teach creative writing and, um, and I really love all of it. It's been a dream job for me. Well, you teach in one of my very places, favorite places in all of education. The community college is such a unique place in, uh, I don't know if it's unique to America, but it's certainly unique to our educational system because Mm -hmm. of the breadth of students and the role it has uh, within our society. Would you talk about a little bit about that? Because a lot of people don't understand how community colleges are so central. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny. You get, you're right. You get a really diverse group, you know, and, and that's one thing that I love the most about it is that sure. I will get, you know, kids that are 18, 19 years old, traditional college age. And for whatever reason, they're in community college. It could be because they're trying to save money. They want to go to the, you know, the best uh, college that they can afford. Um, and transfer. I get students who uh, didn't do so great in high school and find themselves forced to come to community college, you know, by their parents. Um, I get older students who are returning after uh, a time away, um, whether it's because they served in the military or because they raised kids. Um, I get plenty of students who are retired and want to try their hand at, at creative writing. I just I, sometimes I get uh, the occasional uh, high school student who is just wants to get some earn some credits, you know, before they head off to college themselves. And um, I just I 
Love it. And I teach not only face-to-face classes, but I also teach a lot online. And I found that that kind of access has really opened it, opened up, um, just made the, the student body just even more diverse because you get people who wouldn't ordinarily be able to come to campus, be able to do work on their coursework on their own. Well, like I said, community college, favorite place on earth. That is my dream job someday. <laughs> so um, even though I'm closing out on the job part of things, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm so glad that you're doing it. Let's talk a little bit. You're very prolific, given that you're doing all these other things. You're married, you have kids, you're a runner. Um, how do you pace your day? And what was your path to just deciding, I am going to be an author? You know, it was... Um... It was actually when I earned my master's and I started writing my thesis. I was pregnant with my daughter, um, and I only have one. I only have one kid, which definitely simplifies things for sure. Like I, there are there are authors who have jobs and they have you know two, three, four kids, and I'm like, wow, kudos to you. Like that is that is amazing. Um, but I was pregnant with my daughter, and I was writing my thesis. And it was the first time that I got to just sit and write. You know, I had all day to sit and write. And I was teaching a little bit. I was a teaching associate, but I was only teaching maybe one or two classes. So very part-time. And I had, it was, it was so dreamy and fun. And I, I was surprised at how much, bless you. I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it, you know? And after I had Virginia and um, started working, I decided I wanted to try my hand at fiction. So I just started taking classes. I started writing short stories. I started getting public, you know, some of those short stories published. And so I just started to started chipping away at um, this journey and and discovered I really wanted to try my hand at a novel. And um, and of course I had I have the the novel that's in a drawer that will never see the light of day, you know, but it was not, I don't consider that wasted time at all. That was what I learned on. So yeah, it was, it's, you know, it it was kind of a long journey for sure, but it's been really fun. I'm, I'm doing this because it's fun. Well, you do it and you do it so well. You've got three books out. You also have a podcast. You haven't mentioned your podcast. It's, um, yeah, actually it's, it's a Mark Linsenmeyer's podcast and he, um, just signed me and two others up as his co-host. So we, um, we do the pretty much pop podcast where we talk about things in pop culture. So we talked about the Exorcist, and we talked about the Rocky movies and uh, the John Wilson show and stuff like that. So it's really, it's really fun. It's really just fun to to talk with these guys who know way more about pop culture than I do. I find myself like, oh my gosh, I have to watch The Exorcist again, <laughs> or the new, <laughs> or the new, the new version. We did the new version too. I was, yeah, I had to watch most of it through my fingers. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Sarah Lynn, you bring such joy and such fun to this show and to your writing. I hope each of our um, listeners and watchers check out Designer You, the daytime drama, and brand new Light of the Fire. Thank you so much for being with me. Thank you, Grace. Thanks for doing this. This is really fun. It's great. This has been a copyrighted episode of The Storytellers by Grace Salmon and Authors on the Air, Global Radio Network. 
That concludes this episode of The Storytellers. I'm so glad you could be part of the story today. I hope you share the stories, tell your own, and come back for another episode. Because when our stories are told, everything changes. I'm Grace Salmon. <laughs>